What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast. I'm excited that you joined me today because we have a special guest, Paul Jackson. And I cannot wait for you to meet Paul. He is a cool cat. Paul is the founder and CEO of Method, an automation tool for QuickBooks and Zero users. He believes in building software for small businesses that work just like they do. Guys, there's so much to learn and so much to glean from this cool guy that I can't wait to share him with you. Let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It has been fun just chatting with you already beforehand, and I can't wait to share your journey with our listeners and uh, and just dig into some of the stuff that you're up to. Sounds really cool. Uh, let's start off by kind of going back to the beginning. In the beginning, there was Paul before he, no, <laughs> no, wherever you want to start is good, but I'd love to hear about your journey and how you, uh, how you made it to the point where you're doing method and, uh, and going to that. We'll go into that as we go, but uh, start from the beginning. Talk to us. Cool. Um, although I, I like the intro where you said I was a I was a cool guy. So so thanks for that. I'm usually the geeky guy who's like filling out all the spreadsheets for all the other parents on like the hockey and baseball teams, telling them what our chances are of winning a tournament. I love it. <laughs> not, not not the coolest guy. Um, I, I bet they all think that's cool though. So I I don't know. They they might. Um, but <laughs> I'm no I'm not very often uh, uh, introduced as the cool guy. But uh, I'll give you my backstory. All right. Um, Although, by the way, when you when you went through that intro there, that was a great intro. I like Thanks. the uh, the term dynamic systems. I think that's really where where we we play. And so, in the backstory, I'm going to try and get the story of Pete because he helped us with our dynamic systems. So if I don't talk about Pete, okay, then, then let me know. Um, so backstory going back to when I was probably uh, pre working, I was uh, I was always building something, always selling something, whether it was getting a, a case of Mountain Dew soda and putting the spare locker beside me and selling it to my, my classmates in junior high or, <laughs> or building a, a service business in high school and, and employing like half the, half the class to, to, uh, to work with me all the summers. Um, so I don't, I don't think I've ever really had a, a real job. So I guess you classify me as a serial entrepreneur. That's, <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's really what I am. Right. Um, right. Prior to the work world, I uh, put myself in university. I went to uh, business school. Um, my background's in, in commerce and finance, not really in tech, but I am still a geek, like I said. <laughs> um, right out of university, I realized that I was not going to be a suit. I wasn't going to go work, work for Goldman Sachs or wherever else my classmates were, yeah. were going to. So uh, I decided I was going to start a business. And so I, I started uh, my first company back in... Gosh, it'd be 20, about 20 or 2000, really. Um, wow. Late 99, sure. dot-com boom, early 2000. And right. uh, that was a, a software company for, for field service 
uh, businesses, people who were, were scheduling work to go out in the field, turn those work orders into invoices. And, and the queue for Queue Express was QuickBooks, send those invoices back into, into QuickBooks because we realized everybody uses QuickBooks. Right. Um, so that journey lasted about 10 years and it ended up uh, selling that, getting acquired by a private equity company in 2010. Um, but back to the story of Pete then. <laughs> so before, <laughs> before we got acquired, uh, we, we were probably halfway through, we were probably at 20 people at the time when we, uh, we hired Pete. And so he was originally going to be our, our mobile app developer. And we just kept pulling him off mobile app development for internal systems. We're a bootstrap company. We didn't have outside funding. And whenever we had a problem, we couldn't just throw money at it. We had to scale and solve problems smartly. And right. we, would, we would use Pete to build us internal systems. And we're talking like early 2000s, where a lot of things we built are now like off-the-shelf solutions. But if we had a, a need for our customers logging in to see their past support case so that they didn't ask the same question twice. Our support guys would say, hey, can we build that? And Pete would build it. Or if our, <laughs> if our sales team was like, hey, I really realized that if we're calling a customer and it's raining in their area, they pick up the phone. But if it's sunny, they don't pick up the phone. Hey, Pete, could you build a little icon that shows a a cloud next to the customers where it's raining right now in their area. Pete would build it. So we had all these systems that really helped us scale. Um, and all, all because we've invested really in an internal programmer at the size of 20 at the time. Um, it's something that we thought was, was, was pretty cool. Right. So the reason why I bring that up is because when we ended up selling QExpress and uh, sitting around saying, what should we do next? What should the next business be? which ended up being method, it was really, uh, how can we get small businesses to have their own Pete? Right. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, <laughs> they're all going to hire their own Pete, but like, what, what, what could the actual uh, business equivalent of that be? And, and so we, we figured out that uh, really what Pete did was allowed us to make our own features. In right. Our systems. Back to like your, your opening there with dynamic systems. Our systems were dynamic because we had a Pete and right. if we could allow our customers to have dynamic systems too, they could scale uh, without hiring. They could compete against the biggest competitors. They could move more nimble than everybody else. And how cool would it, would it be to create a company that, that could allow people to do that? And that was what uh, started up Method. Wow. I mean, what a, what a crazy journey. And so do you still have Pete today? No. Bummer. <laughs> So the crazy thing is, Pete's my brother-in-law, and after a while of working with your brother-in-law, yeah, it doesn't work. So he, yeah, he's he's living off in Europe and kicking ass over there. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, but it, everybody's got to have a Pete to get started. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, what a what a crazy uh, what a crazy path. I, I I always love to point out to our listeners as best I can, like the line and the journey is never straight. Like if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, first of all, it's a verb. And I think we forget that sometimes we, we take it as a pronoun and it's really a verb. It's stuff we do. It's stuff that's, that's happening. And, and I mean, your story is such a great example of, of it. Like it just kind of winds and weaves, yeah. but you lived through the dot-com boom 
you know, you you created a company in in the 2000s and you also lived through it crashing a bit and and going through its changes. But also now, I think with COVID happening and everybody transferring to more remote work, I mean, what's been the biggest changes and differences from when you started in 2000 to now after COVID and and after the whole well, you know, change to Zoom is so normal now, and it wasn't five years ago, you know? Yeah, there's been a lot of changes at, at that time. I think, like, coming to mind would be, it used to be really easy to be found on the internet. Right. Like, the the topic of, like, black hat, white hat, uh, from a marketing sense of SEO, like, that didn't really exist. <laughs> right. You could, you could keyword stuff your pages and be found on top of, the, of Google. Um, you can't do that anymore. So... Uh, it's been harder to uh, be a scrappy business from a marketing standpoint right. um, now than it was back before. Um, I think that like, the remote work is something to navigate, sure. Uh, and as a tech company, we are able to navigate it uh, differently from from others um, who may not be as knowledge based. Uh, the workforce that, that we would have at a tech company. We've got a we've got a hundred people working at Method. So figuring out how to make all those people um, work together remotely or in the office was was definitely a challenge um, during COVID. I think funding has gotten easier. So companies who didn't want to bootstrap, right, right, <laughs> that it's a lot easier for companies to find funding now than it was say fifteen years ago. That's sure. probably a, a big change and. I learned a lot about that process myself uh, over, those, over those years. Um, the rest, though, a lot, a lot of my other observations in in over this time would be hard to say. Cause I'm not sure they apply to everyone. They, they go through really a scaling uh, learning where when you're zero to 20, what you're learning is different from when you're 20 to 40 and 40 right. to 80 or 80 to 100. And I think maybe some of those learnings are, or for me, um, what I went through as a as a leader, um, and maybe not so much in terms of like the decades. Right, right. I'd love to dug, dig in a little bit to something you said earlier, and that was that you sold to private equity. I, I love the topic. I love M and A, and and those listening to the podcast know I, I dig into that when I can. But having had some experience in that space and and going through a, a nice acquisition like that there's a lot that goes into it but what was your experience in selling to private equity i mean was it was it a rocky road was it super easy did you feel like you were prepared for it or or like not prepared how did it go uh yeah i think it was actually fairly smooth as far as uh as far as it could have gone um Back then, I didn't have much context of what was normal. Right. Uh, we we ran a pretty tight machine, so our KPIs, our key performance indicators, uh, they were all uh, kept up to date instantly because right. we had Pete. <laughs> right. And um, and so when we did due diligence, which is the the, the process before you close a deal, sure. someone has expressed interest, they call that a letter of intent, and then. Uh, you go through due diligence and then you find the close. Um, they didn't find anything. There was nothing for them to uncover through right. a due diligence process. We were squeaky clean, tight ship, made sure all the processes were always run well and transparent. 
So that starts off the conversation and the relationship in a really good way. Uh, and I think that helped. And then over the next year, which was the period where we really transitioned to the private equity company, all the assets and the learnings and the customers, um, there's just a lot of uh, sharing and, and, and there were some challenges. It's hard to take what's in our heads and, and put it into a new team's heads. Um, but it went well. Like we, we found out actually, when was that, 2010? I met with their VP of sales at a conference. I just happened to be at the same conference as them. And uh, this is what, 2017 probably, so seven years later. And she said, Paul, we still have 1,500 customers still on the, on the product that we couldn't get off to our product. Um, it's um, and so like, do you, what do you recommend? So, so they, they were able to retain those customers, which was right. amazing. So I think from their standpoint, it was a very successful acquisition. And, sure. uh, and, and so it, that was great. But of course, now I've, I've got more context and, that, and I, right. I see what other companies uh, go through with private equity um, as an investor myself and also as, as a member of a founder forum group. You see how hard it can be. And I don't think right. it's as easy as always as, as we went through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had a pretty smooth uh, transition there to to work with what do you think just looking back at that process and now maybe building into method what has been different i mean I, I don't know if you ever intend to sell method but did you build what you're building differently after the acquisition and because of the acquisition um yeah i, I definitely uh learned a lot from that sale but also after that sale um People start contacting me. Hey, I have, I have an investment, right? Like that's what kind of what happens. Uh, so I, I, uh, I got to see the other side of the table, the, right. the investor side of the table, and what what uh, investments can do and how how venture capital works. And uh, watched a couple companies that I got involved with just skyrocket. And um, I took some of that same learning of of what they were doing, brought it over to Method. So we did end up going up the VC route after a couple of years. Uh, just to help us with with our own growth. So I've I've, I've done the bootstrap thing and I've done the invested by venture capitalist thing, and and right. they, they, they both have a time and place. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I think that there's lots of advice out there on whether you are ready as a as an entrepreneur to take capital, and uh, I don't think I need to beat that drum. But, right. Um, I can ask. I can. I can answer any specific questions you have on that if you like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree. I, I feel like there's just a, a lot that that a lot of business owners don't think about. You know, oftentimes it's like, oh, I'm just passionate about this thing and I've got it to start growing. And now it's, you know, like you said, oh, dang, we hit 100 or we hit a million. And now where do we go next? How do we get to that next 10? And And they've kind of figured it out, but they're still in love with it. And understandably so but i think a lot of times you ask them if they're gonna sell ever and they're like oh no i'll never sell this is my baby and you're like eh, yeah so then what you end up seeing often is that they haven't built for sale and it doesn't matter if they're gonna leave or not you know and i have noticed that a lot you know is that if you can build for the sale even if you don't intend to leave you're actually creating the freedom that you probably got into being an entrepreneur for in the first place um 
I don't know. It's, yeah. it seems interesting. Like how is, how, do you feel like that's affected you in, in building method as well? Well, since we're venture capital funded, we, I wouldn't say we built a sell, we built for liquidity. Right. All right. So like at one point, whether it's an IPO, which is the, sure. the best case scenario, right. Um, or another private equity roll up where the investors get liquidity, but you, but our team would still stay on and we just love what we're doing. Right. Um, or, if you don't love what you're doing, a true sale where you get the hell out. Yeah. Um, that it's really up to you, but they're all liquidity events. And so sure. um, I think for me, having had a prior exit um, right now, I, I'm building what I love right. with the team, right? It's like, we had this idea to, to bring a, a peat for everybody. Right. To life, it, it took the form of what's called a no-code platform. That was our solution to the peat problem, um, and that is a, a monster of a challenge, and it's right. a, a heck of a lot of fun to do. And we've, as I mentioned, we've, we've scaled to 100 staff now. We have thousands mm -hmm. of customers all using all using method for the small businesses, and it's just a lot of fun. So, yeah, um, whether yeah. there's liquidity event in the future or not, it's, uh, it's not going to change how much how much fun we're having. I love that. And, and so many people forget that. And you hear it, I think a lot, like, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life that, you know, you hear that. And I think a lot of times uh, I hear from entrepreneurs like, Oh, that's just a bunch of baloney. You just got to make money. And I'm like, it's not no. going to work out for you. It's, it's just not going to work out for you. You might make some money along the way. And it's not saying that that's not possible, but Wow. You know, and you can hear it. And I think our listeners uh, and in, even anybody watching this uh, can easily see that you love what you do. And every time you talk about method, you light up a little and, and you can see the energy behind it. And I love that. I love that, that you can see that you love what you do and that you guys are doing something that, that really makes a difference. Let's jump into that a little bit more and let's talk about method because I'm so curious about the you know, the lead in there. I want to hear more about what method is all about and <laughs> what you've been building. I mean, we get the idea. You wanted to get a Pete for everybody, but I, I think it's morphed and, and adapted and grown into other things. So let's let's dig into that. Yeah, I guess you need to kind of start with a little context, at least our belief of what the world is like before method. And so right. you have you have small businesses um, run by an owner, maybe they're calling themselves CEO or president at that point. It's, let's say zero to 10 employees. So around, around there, um, and they're scaling a business, which is amazing. They probably don't need method yet because they're using Excel. They're using QuickBooks. Everyone still uses QuickBooks. Um, and a lot of the process that uh, runs that company is either in Excel or it's probably in the owner's head. And that works until it, until it doesn't, <laughs> right? It does it. Until it doesn't, and then and then uh, they're left wondering, well, what do I what do I do? What do I do next? And um, one way or another, however they're articulating it, they are, they are thinking about the workflows that they do every every day. And a workflow, as far as we are concerned, is really just a series of sequential steps that they go through in order to complete a task. So they're thinking about the workflows they go through, and they're thinking about, okay, which ones should I really automate uh, first, and, and how the heck do I automate these things? And that's when, the, when they start looking at software. And so the way, way we at Method see the market today is when a, a company is starting to scale, they've recently scaled and they've got some growing pains. They're looking at traditional CRMs. So those are the 
CRMs we all know about, like the Salesforces and the HubSpots of the world, uh, which are which are really good at what they do. Um, the pro is that they do those things well. The con is that they are they are fairly rigid, and they um, don't really scale necessarily with with the company and and how they run things. Back those workflows, they don't match those workflows perfectly. Right. Um, then there's the alternative, which is industry specific software, which I learned at Q Express because that's what we were, and that's where you're t- you're making software for a certain industry. And and the great thing about that is that if you're in that industry, it's kind of tailor-made more or less to how you operate. Um, the con, it's probably not as good as a CRM. And again, it's rigid. So as you scale, maybe some of the things that you do now do don't really fit in the software and you're out looking for software right. again. So that's that's the that's the market as we see it today. Those are really your, your two choices. And with method, we really wanted to be the holy grail uh, where Yes, it's a CRM. Yes, it has these these templates, which are industry specific, that takes you 80% of the way there. But um, more importantly, there is the QuickBooks integration and the fact that it's malleable. So the QuickBooks integration is something we're super good at. Like we basically wrap ourselves around their accounting software so that any of those workflows that involves accounting is super seamless. Like you start off method and you get like, your entire customer list is there. So what's the invoice history? And if you want to have a workflow that includes creating a quote or creating an invoice or receiving a payment or doing anything accounting wise, you can do that in method and it flows instantly and seamlessly back to your accounting software, which is QuickBooks. Um, so that's that's a huge piece of what we thought would be more of the holy grail solution to um, this, this automation problem. And the second piece is the, the, the big piece, that gets us up every morning, which is this, it's malleable. So what a what, what a no-code platform is, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, Michael, or if, it, if you, your, your listeners are, but it's really just the ability to drag and drop and create apps, create process without coding. You don't have to be, you don't have to be Pete. <laughs> you don't yeah. have, you need to have a code in order to build something amazing. And using drag and drop, we built a CRM. Using drag and drop, we built our field service solution. Using drag and drop, we created a proposals app for, for engagement letters. And so these are all things that once created using drag and drop, they're all they're all malleable. You can you can change them any way you want. Anyone can go in and, and modify them and add to them. And that's really what method is, is, is this solution for automation for small businesses who have scaled beyond their uh, their, their zero to ten, um, what's in their head process right right man what a huge undertaking i mean yeah like just the just the uh thought of it you know i was part of a a software company back in that uh early 2000s and uh we had a website builder and we were just starting to transfer in to get our our developers to code that drag and drop ability and back then it was like so far ahead of where tech was at the moment and uh and it was just a challenge so i i you know as you spoke about it i just thought man there's a gargantuan uh undertaking to really nail down and the fact that you guys have done it is is incredible i mean it really is it sounds fabulous i mean at the at first sight it seems as though the quickbooks thing stands out uh but and and 
mind you, I've had my fair share of run-ins with QuickBooks. I mean, I'm sure any entrepreneur that has used QuickBooks has had this thought, gosh, if I didn't have to use QuickBooks, I certainly wouldn't. But then they all use it. And <laughs> yeah. uh, it's sort of like where everybody's at. And I know there's some other competitors out there for that. But but the truth of the matter is, is I, I do believe that a majority of people use QuickBooks. And it is a beast. It is a beast. So before we dig into the other things that Method does, let's talk about that QuickBooks part of it. And does it replace you as an entrepreneur or is your team having to go into QuickBooks or does it just make it so that your bookkeeper or accountant uh, has all the stuff they need without you having to put it there? <laughs> yeah. So I think it really depends on, on the entrepreneur. Some, okay. some don't want to be in the books. Right. Any second they can spend away from QuickBooks is a second that they're happier. Um, <laughs> right. Others really want to know what's going on in the financials and they'll be right in there. I think right. you have a choice here. If you live in the world of operations where your sales team probably is um, and your, uh, if you're manufacturing, your, your stock room probably is, that's where you live. Right. Then you won't be spending much time in QuickBooks because you'll be helping to optimize those, those processes and then the accounting just happens automatically behind the scenes. Because nice. you've built in workflows where you pick a, an inventory item and it takes it from your QuickBooks inventory. Like you don't have to worry about what's happening in the back end. But of course, if you want to be in there, geeking it out on profit <laughs> and loss statements and balance sheets, everything that happens inside a method will flow into those as well. So you can geek it out there too. That's really cool. Let's talk a little bit more about the drag and drop thing and the, and the concept of being malleable. What kind of things, can you give me an example? Uh, give us an example so we can kind of attach to it in, in <laughs> terms of like, what could we create and... You know, what is it, what's like the base function that's one of our entrepreneurs could do and then how could they recreate it and, and use your, um, you know, dynamic system to, to do what they need? Yeah, so many examples that are, that are flying through my head right now. Um, like we have dog walkers and we have pool companies and we have manufacturers and medical cabinet makers. And, and uh, but I, I, I can think of one really easy one. Okay. <laughs> one of my favorite ones. So I won't name the company, but what they make was, uh, is still to this day, guitar picks. Okay. So if you play guitar and use a guitar pick, maybe use their guitar picks. But the CEO, she would be the one processing all the invoices. Oh, my. For the longest time. And so wow. she became a method customer. And, and she wanted to know how to lock her employees out of the invoice process. And so we're like, okay, all right, let's. How do, you walk, how do you walk us through your workflow of why you're of why you're looking to lock them out rather than empower them? And so what it turned out was she wanted to make sure that invoices above a certain amount were processed using the payment of ACH, like bank, bank payments, and under a certain amount were allowed to be credit cards just because she wanted to save money on fees. I guess of the course. margins on guitar picks are, are tight. Yeah. Uh, and And so... Rather than locking her employees out, we said, okay, how about we build a button on the screen? We'll, put a, we'll drag a button on there and we'll say process payment. And based on the, we'll, we'll have a look. If it is above this certain amount, show ACH fields. If it is below this certain amount, show credit card fields. So that's it. Showing and hiding of fields, not, not rocket science. Yeah. Her world was blown. She's like, 
that means I don't need to do this anymore. And it was just one of those awesome moments that we have when we, when we build systems like that. And we're like, we just changed that person's life. Sure. And it was fantastic. So that's one example of a really simple one. Um, we have much more elaborate ones like the uh, like back to that medical cabinet maker. So medical cabinets, they have all these different drawers and different sizes. And basically every single medical cabinet is built specially. And the, this medical cabinet maker was making all of their, the owner, it's like a hundred person business, was making all the estimates themselves in Excel because he knew exactly what to do. Of course. And so just, just building that into an actual estimate flow where anyone in the company who was, was talking to a customer wanted to build a medical cabinet could build which drawers they get, what, what style of cabinet, and that would turn into an estimate and it'd be all done properly to really remove that the CEO of, of, of the company from that process where they were the bottleneck and right. allow them to be a CEO again. That's that's something that we we could do, but I could I could give you examples all day. Oh my gosh, no, I'm more like it. that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, let's do one more, okay? Because I I'm digging it. I, I I just I'm trying to grasp more of it, and I think each of the examples makes such a big difference because it opens up our eyes to like, oh wow, that's kind of it's kind of like what we would do. Or does your and I'll give you a chance to do another uh, example for us because I think it's really pertinent, but. Is method something that attaches to the current system that they're using, or do they have to come in and use method to take care of their overall system? Well, I think when they're when they're smaller companies, the system they're using really is QuickBooks. That right. is that is the majority of their software task is being done through QuickBooks. So we we wrap around that. Nice. We share the same database structure as okay. as QuickBooks. So. It's it's as it's as seamless as an integration as you could possibly imagine. Sure. It, it's lots of people that say, yes, we work with QuickBooks, but we actually really do. Right. Um, so we don't we don't replace that. Now, if they are using some other system that in, in addition to their accounting and they want to replace that with method, then yes, we can replicate whatever they're doing, right? Whatever process they're doing using drag and drop and build that process out. Or we can attach to it. Attaching to it gets kind of messy because then we're talking about like APIs and zaps from the Zapier and so forth. So right. Typically come to method because you want to replace it. Right. Right. That makes sense. Cool. Give us another example of another cool thing that you guys have done uh, and uh, and that you've used it for. I love the simplicity of it. I love I love the concept. Obviously, you know, we're talking about dynamic systems. So, I mean, I'm just jiving on it i think this is cool stuff yeah i, I like the franchise ones because the franchises are all about process right right let's systemize something and then replicate it over and over again so right. um i think of a pool service company we had which has uh i think 25 or 30 franchises of, of pool companies they all have their own cookbooks file right but there's concerns about um are they billing the same are they even reporting to the franchise how much the billing and so forth and so we built a solution where they have one method account and all 30 files for all 30 franchises all sync up to the account and the dispatchers from head office can see into each of the franchises and the owner of the franchise can look into reporting consolidated or on a franchise level, uh, which is like, this is like so cool. big SAP, like multi-million dollar stuff Yeah, that he's, that he's getting for like a 
peanuts, right? Like right. that he can either do himself or we we we, we do for him. It's and that so, is just game changing for for a franchise. Right, right. I love it. What a cool solution. Uh, tell me more about what it's like for one of our listeners that is hearing what you're talking about and going, this is, this is cool. This is a game changer for me. I'd like to go work with method. What's the process? Like, what does it look like? What, what, what do they start with? What happens after they decide to get in? Give us a, a view of that. Well, I think on the surface, it's like any other SaaS product that they, they might try out. Um, but then when there's a nuance and a caveat that I'll throw at you. Um, so they'll, Go to method.me. They will start a trial like everybody else. And they'll they'll probably get a message from uh, a rep uh, from Method saying, hey, can I can I give you a demo? Can I show you how to use it? Can I help you out? Can I answer your questions? Can I can right. I ask you about your workflows and see if we, maybe we've we can, we've solved that before for someone else? And so most people will take that offer up. And so again, we're at that point the same as any other SaaS company. Then we would want you to sync your QuickBooks file so you can see your customers in there. Right. That's a little bit different. So now we're a little bit, a little bit different from other companies. And it's kind of a cool moment when you see all your all your customers in there. You're like, oh, I don't have to actually do any importing or matching. It's just there. That's wow. awesome. Uh, but then then the the caveat comes of like the investment. So the software itself is the same kind of price point as you would have for the most SaaS. But then if you're gonna if you're going to build the franchise solution with 30 franchises, if you're going to even change the estimate form to build your medical cabinets and so forth, there's going to be an investment, whether that's your own time learning how to do it. We have tutorials and webinars and, and so forth, or you're going to pay either an external partner or a member of our team to actually do that customization for you and build it for you. You should be prepared to, to, to invest. And that's, and that's a choice that you will have to make. Otherwise, you use it out of the box and you're not really using the malleable part. Right, right. Um, but, but that's that's the experience. You're looking at a, a traditional SaaS sales process with right. the option of being like a, a multi-billion dollar SAP customer. What a cool vision uh, to bring to life and, and really to put into play for everybody. And uh, wow, kudos to you guys for, for having such big vision because, I mean, we're talking years ago that you guys started thinking about this and, and trying to put it into uh, practice. And, and it sounds like you guys have built something really, really cool. I, I could sit here and, and just jam with you for hours, uh, but because this is cool stuff. Uh, but just to remind everybody, if you want to go and check out uh, Paul and everything cool he's built for you, then make sure you go over to method.me and check it out. Go try it out. You, you said they have a trial for goodness sakes. They can go try it out and, and, you know, get in and see what it can do for you guys, because it could be a real game changer uh, from what we've heard today. And, and I think that's really cool. You got any last words for us today before we sign out? I mean, what, what would you, what would you tell these people that have heard what we've talked about today? Yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm not much of a sales guy. I'm I'm more of a like a, a solution guy. And so cool. if you're if you're not ready for software, I would still say look at the processes you're running. Figure out which processes that you're doing today um, are high frequency, um, not critical thinking, 
and involve key people in your company that are becoming bottlenecks. And, and start thinking about how you could automate those, those processes today because they will liberate you as an entrepreneur. And whether you're using the software to liberate yourself or you're finding other ways, do it. You'll be so much happier. That's so cool. Well, Paul, it has been great fun. Hope we can do it again sometime. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your journey and, and your knowledge and, and for putting all that together for all these entrepreneurs. I think it's really cool. So thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I had, I had a good time too. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography. 